All right. We're going to try to get going here. So we are um, studying questions in the Gospels. And we are, we've been through, I think we're about six weeks in so far. This morning we're going to be in John chapter 5. Um, I'm skipping around a little bit, skipping over some questions that, for whatever reason, I've decided we're not going there at the moment. The Lord hopefully is the one directing that, not me. Um, but uh, ultimately I said, no, let's, let's move on. Um, so this is one of my favorite ones. But So... Um, Hopefully we'll be, I think we'll be in Luke some, um, probably mostly be in Luke and John, but uh, anyway, this week in John chapter 5. So let me pray and we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your um, just abounding love. And uh, Lord, we just pray that as we come to your word this morning, that we would be, uh, our hearts would be drawn to you that you would be speaking to us. I pray that you would use the feeble words that I say, um, that you would speak and, and we would hear you uh, as, we, as we discuss and talk about this passage. Pray that you'd be glorified in all we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So John chapter 5, we're going to read the first nine verses. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with, with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. So, first of all, we probably should address the pool. Because that's not something we, uh, we're familiar with or deal with on a regular basis. Um, the description, which is, if you notice, it, is in brackets here. This uh, was probably added later because if we had read, if we just read verse 7, uh, the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool, and the water stirred up while I was coming and other steps down. We'd go, Why is the water stirred up? What's that have to do with anything? And so most likely John didn't include that because everybody kind of knew about the, this pool. Um, and so later somebody said, We probably ought to explain what that is. And so they added in there, This is what happens at this pool. So um, th that wouldn't make a lot of sense without that. So the question is, is the description given of it accurate? Well, we don't know. Um, a couple different commentaries I read, one of them said, that's eh, probably not really what, what the situation was. Somebody, another one said, I don't know. It's possible. We don't know. Um, there's no other historical um, 
from what I read anyway, no other historical evidence that this took place. Um, this passage is the only one that, that I'm aware of that talks about it. Um, on the other hand, why would all these people be hanging out? Why are they doing, why are they, what are they looking for? When, what's that? Healing. Healing. Why do they keep staying around? Hope. What's that? Somebody was healed or they thought so at least, right? Why do people keep going to see Benny Hinn? Somebody believes somebody's getting healed, right? Whether it's actually happening or not, we don't know. I have some opinions about Benny Hinn, but what was happening here, we don't know. What would have been required for a person to hang out here for days, weeks, months, possibly even years on the chance that they might be healed? What's that? Someone had to feed them. Okay, well, someone had to feed them, but, what, but what's keeping them here? Hope. hope. They have some kind of hope that this is supposed to work. Desperation, right? I mean, they're, they're desperate for, for healing. They're, they've, they've run out of options. They, the hope that what's happening here is hope that God is going to heal them. Because ultimately, they're talking about an angel coming down from the Lord and, and stirring up the waters. They're hoping, they're, they're, they're hoping that God is gracious, loving, kind, and powerful enough to heal. So regardless of if healing actually happened, people believe it did. And that was enough to keep them coming. So how many people were hanging around this pool? Yeah, exactly. It says a multitude. A multitude sounds like a lot of people, right? Doesn't give us a specific number, but it's more than just a few. Talks about five porticos, and there's probably people hanging out at you know all these different places. So it's kind of giving us an idea that there's there's a lot of people. It's a big space. How often does it say the water got stirred? Doesn't give us a time frame. What's it say? At certain seasons, the angel would come down. Does that sound very definite? No, not really. Um, sounds to me kind of like a. Have you ever, you know, tried to get in when the radio, you know, the DJ says, "Be caller number seven, and you know, when I tell you, then you can, you know, call in. It's kind of like that. You don't really know when it's going to happen. You know that it will happen eventually, and so I've got to be ready. I want to be listening to the radio. I want to be here because there's, no, there's nobody going to go, okay, at 4 o'clock this afternoon, the water's going to get stirred up, so be ready to go. No, it's just, it happens, and you've got to be there. You've got to be ready. Um, I, I can tell you that I've been to Las Vegas a few times for different things. I've never so much as dropped a nickel into a slot machine, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I know myself well enough that I go, I don't want to find out if I'm addicted to that or not. But... You walk through those casinos and you see people dropping nickels, dimes, quarters, dollars, whatever, into these slot machines. And what are they, what are they doing that for? Hope. Exactly. They're hoping that eventually they're going to pull that thing and they're going to hit the jackpot. That's what these people are doing here. They are hoping that they will be the one. Okay? Um, that it's going to hit for them. 
Um, so if you were desperate for healing, this was something you didn't want to miss. So let's talk about the man who Jesus singled out among this multitude. Does the text indicate anything special that would, would have drawn Jesus to him? Right. But he's one among many, probably, who's been there a while, most likely. It says 38 years. He probably wasn't hanging out here for 38 years. That would be an insane amount of hope. That would be, that'd be crazy um, to, to think you're going to hang out here for, I'm going to be here for 38 years. I think he was in this condition for 38 years. How long he's been here at the pool, we don't know, right? Um, it appears that Jesus just selected him, selected him randomly. So what do we know about him? We know he was ill and know he's been this way for 38 years. What else do you observe about him? As you, as you see his answer, as you see in the text, what, what do you, how do you picture this guy? He's crippled in some way. Okay. Yeah, he's crippled and he can't get into the pool on his own. Somebody said alone? Yep. Um, what else? Again, he, he can move. yeah, he, he right, because he's saying he, he is trying to get there. So it's not like he's completely, maybe he's, maybe he's, you know, a, a quad, a, a, not quadriplegic, what? paraplegic, thank you. Um, and he's able to drag himself. We don't know. Um, but we do know that he doesn't have anybody to help him. So he's alone. Um, he seems a little hopeless, but he's still there. So he's not completely hopeless, but he, he seems like he's kind of falling into despair from what, from just from me reading that. Um, so can you imagine, he's been ill for years. Apparently no one's able to help him. No one's been able to get, get him through or over this condition. So we don't know where he lived initially. Maybe he lived in Jerusalem. Maybe he lived somewhere else in Israel, but he hears about this pool near the temple where every so often an angel stirs the water and someone gets healed. He hears about this. What's he thinking? I got to go. I got to get there. What's that? I've got to try this. I got to try something because I'm, I'm in bad shape. I'm in a bad way. What would life be like for someone in this condition at this time, at this point in time? Was there a, was there a, a national um, system to, you know, welfare system to take care of this person? No. no. He was pretty much ostracized. Ostracized, yeah. Yeah, he's probably begging on a regular basis, you know, so he's, he's, he's wanting to be healed. He's looking for this. I have to go. I have to find some way to get there. And so he does. Most likely... Um, he, he probably finds, you know, someone to help him get there. And when he gets there, what does he find? A lot, of a lot more sick people, right? You can imagine that you're, you're, you've built this up in your mind and you're like, okay, yeah, there's this pool and, and I can go and I can just, all I got to do is get in. And you get there and you're, there's 100, 200 people. I don't know. There's a lot of people sitting there waiting, trying hoping to get in the water so they can get healed. Um, 
So I can assume, I, I have to assume that somebody helped him get there, right? Um, and you can imagine that it may have been a family member, could have been a friend, um, and they, uh, they help him get there, and what do they see when they get there? Same thing he saw, right? And they're like, oh my, oh my goodness, you know? So maybe they hang around for a little bit. Maybe the first time the water gets stirred, they try to help him get in there. Doesn't work out. Pretty soon, they've got a life, right? Yeah, they, they've got a farm, maybe. Maybe they're a shepherd. Maybe they're a shopkeeper. Maybe they're whatever, but they can't keep hanging out. They've got to get back to doing their life. Um, so that person can't stay. They've got to go. So now this man is there alone. He's lost most of his hope, it seems. He, it feels like he's barely hanging on. That's how I see him anyway. So let me ask you, if you walked up on this scene and you saw this man, you could tell he was ill, you knew he'd been so for decades, and you were going to approach him and engage in conversation, how would, how would you start the conversation? Would you ask him, do you want to get better? Does that seem like an odd question? Right. Right. I can't do anything for you. I'm not going to ask you, do you want to get well? I know you want to get well. And for me to ask it would be just kind of cruel, right? Do you wish to get well? So let's imagine... Rather than Jesus asking that question that I asked it, what would you think of me? What do you think you can do? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if I was in this guy's position, and you came and asked me if I wanted to get well, I can assure you, knowing me, the sarcasm would flow. <laughs> Who, me? No, I, I just like the ambiance. <laughs> No, I'm just here hanging out with my favorite peeps, you know. Um, of course not. I just like this view of the temple. I'm going to set my easel up here pretty soon, start painting. I'm just waiting for the, right, the sun to get right, you know. No, I just like hanging out with sick, sick folks. Of course I want to get well. Isn't it obvious? That's why I'm here. I'm in bad shape. Can't you see? Yes, I want to get well. Of course I want to get well. But is it obvious? Is it obvious that he really wants to get well? What is Jesus really asking? I think often when Jesus asks questions, people don't really hear it, or maybe they don't really hear all of it. We don't really always hear all of the question that, Je that Jesus is asking. People, including us, tend to hear uh, what we want to hear. Or maybe what we want to answer. The part of the question that we understand or that we like or that we go, yeah, I've got an answer for that. The rest of it, I, I don't really get that. So what do you think Jesus is asking him here? Okay. Ask him if you know, if, do you know who I am, Lugie? Okay. Which is something where we'd be like, well, yeah, but 
I think at this point, the fact that Jesus heals is fairly well known. The man may not recognize as Jesus is that guy that heals. Right. But there should be a reputation that he doesn't recognize. Possibly. I think the heart of it is this thing of like, I have the capacity. Are you willing to receive if it comes from me? Right. And I think that's usually the challenge with, with, this, with the Gospels and even with nowadays. That people are like, yeah, I'm happy to be healed. Well, hang on. Is it coming from Jesus? Because I don't think I'm okay with that. Right. Well, and, and what's, you know, what do you, what's, what's it going to cost? What's, yeah. you know, so you want to heal me. Well, okay, but I, I want to keep this on my own terms as well. Anna, you look like you're, yeah. <laughs> Right. About how he could be healed, but he immediately answers, you know, there's no, sir, I have no man to put you in the pool. Yeah. So his immediate answer is, well, my healing comes from the pool, and Jesus is very open about what do you want to be healed, not do you want somebody to put you in the pool. Right. I, I've got my excuses, and and here's why I, it's not working out for me. Um, yeah, I want to be healed, but but, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Lugi? He gives an excuse, but I think he's also clarifying like the, the size of his faith. Right. He's saying like the healing is able to come from the pool. Right. But I've never seen it come from anywhere else. So if I don't go in the pool, there's no healing. Right. And I think he's answering Jesus' question by saying like, well, it's not possible. Right. I would yeah. love to. But right. before we go into that, like since no one can bring me in, therefore my healing is not possible. Right. And, and maybe what he's getting at is uh, if you'd hang out and help me get into the pool, when the pool's stirred up, that's what I need. I, I just need somebody to, to be here to help me get into the water. But the water is where the healing comes from. Well, and it's like he, he just recognizes his need as just somebody to help him get in there. Right. You know, he can't see that Jesus is so much more than what Right. Yeah, it's very limited focus. Yeah, for sure. Um. Let me find out where I am here. Here's one of the things I think Jesus is asking him. He says, I know, I know you want your body to be whole. I know you want to be well, but do you want to be changed? Do you want your life to be different? Who here likes change? Some people do. It's okay to it's okay to say yeah, I do. A lot of people don't. Exactly, exactly. I still, whenever Barack Obama is running, hope and change. I'm like, what? Excuse me? How do we know this is change for the better? No, it's just change. Oh, great, thank you. Um, I couldn't believe people voted for him on that, but there you go. Some people like change, some people look, don't. Um, I've looked forward to change before. There have been times when Heather and I have often observed that if you're the person who is, if you're in a situation, you're, you know, you're someone in this group, and you're going to be moving away to a new situation, it's a lot easier to be the person moving away than the person staying. Because you're staying is like things have changed, and I don't like it. You know, you're, When you're moving away, you're looking forward to something new and exciting, perhaps. Maybe not. Maybe we're going to jail or something. I don't know. But 
teacher, um, back in that culture, begging was actually their form of livelihood. Yeah. That's how they earned a living. That was their lifestyle. That's all they ever knew. Yeah. And if he was no longer a beggar, what is he going to do now? Exactly. My, my identity is about to change. If, if you're going to heal me, I'm not a beggar anymore. Um, let, me, uh, let me see. Where was I? So sometimes when, when, when we've done things, when, well, like when I... Changing jobs... You know, oftentimes you go, I've got this job, it's a good job, whatever, but here's this new opportunity, and I'm going to try this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. I'm going to go to this new thing, you know. Um, the job I have isn't bad, but there's some, some things I don't like about it, so I'm going to move to this new job. How do you generally look at that new job when you're thinking about it? Do you see all the good, all the bad? Do you, do you really weigh things accurately, do you think? We tend to look at it through rose-colored glasses. We tend to say, oh, this is going to be better, and this is going to be better, and all the good things that I've had over here, I'm still going to have. Doesn't always work that way, does it? I remember several years back, I moved from one place to another thinking, you know, yeah, there's some really good things over here, but I'm really excited about this opportunity over here. And it was a good opportunity. I moved, I did that other opportunity, but there were some things over here that I'd left that I didn't get to bring with me, you know? Um, this guy was really generous about giving bonuses and things, and it was like, I didn't get that when I moved, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that would have been nice to be able to bring with me, you know? So, so we make changes, but we don't always think about the consequences of what our chain, those changes might be, um, which reminds me of my father's words, everything is a compromise. And, and this was when um, he was, this referred to, buying a car, trading a car off for a different car, you know, and he was driving back from Dallas, actually, I called him up, said, so what do you think? He's like, everything's a compromise. He traded off a truck for a car, he's like, you know, everything's a compromise. But oftentimes we think we're going to be able to keep the good. It could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be marriage, could be a car, could be a house, could be a living situation, could be school, whatever. And we don't often think through all the consequences. And of course, we can't know what all the consequences are. We can't see the future, so we don't know. Um, so I really think Jesus, one of the things Jesus is asking the man is count the cost. Are you really ready to, to be changed? Are you really ready to accept the things that are going to change? What would this man have to give up by being made well? We talked about one of them was this, he's not going to be a beggar anymore. People are going to look at him, he's got two strong legs. What are you begging for? So he's got to find a job, going to have to find a vocation. What else? A new focus. Okay. it's nice to be miserable. Right. That's just all you have to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's miserable. He just gets, you know, the, I was, um, you know, he, he had a justified bad attitude. People understood that, well, yeah, I can understand why you're grumpy, right? <laughs> you have to change that. You know, you, you, what's your excuse now for, well, 
I used to be really miserable, so I'm still grumpy, you know? You've been healed. What, what's your excuse for being grumpy now? Um, he had this victim status, right? Well, you know, he's one of those people, and, and he's pitied, and he's, and he's all that. Um, he was special. He's unique. He's about to be just come just like everybody else. You go, well, it, it wasn't a good special. Yeah, but it's what he'd become accustomed to. Um, he might have to confront the reality that he doesn't have friends, not because he's ill, because he's not a very nice person. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe he's just not pleasant to be around, even if he's well. So I don't think the man considered any of those things, as I don't think I would either, right? He just wanted to be well, which is a correct desire. Not saying that he shouldn't have been desiring to be well. That's not it at all. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be well, to be whole, to function as we were created to function. That's all expected, and it's appropriate, and it's good. Is there anything wrong with wanting to change jobs? Cars, houses, schools, Church. spouses, churches. Well, the last two we got issues with. Um, just remember when you're longing for those changes, when you feel like what you have is horrible, that the new thing may be both better and worse. It could be mostly worse. It's rare that it's only better. And like I say, marriage, that's a whole other thing we can talk about some other time. But So Jesus clearly hears in the man's answer that, yes, he does desire to be healed, whether he knows all the consequences or not. So Jesus heals him. What did the man have to do to be healed? Huh? Nothing, kind of. Nothing. I mean, he had no participation in his healing. Jesus healed him. Porter? He, yeah, he wanted to be healed. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know that he had to have faith for it in this situation. Yeah, he had to have faith to get up. I have a feeling he probably felt something like something has changed. Um, but yeah, he had to he had to have that much faith. Um, and the only reason I say I don't know that he had to have faith, he didn't have to have faith in Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. When we keep reading through this story, um, when you get down there, you know, the, yeah, he, they, the, the Jews ask him, what are you doing carrying your pallet? It's a Sabbath. And he said, well, the guy who healed me said to do it. He said, who, who healed you? I don't know. And eventually Jesus finds him, and then he finds out that it was Jesus. But, so it wasn't that he had faith in who Jesus was, because he didn't know who Jesus was. Um, so... As far as what his ability was to heal himself, he had nothing. Um, there was nothing he could do to heal himself. Who did the healing? It's Sunday school, you can say it, it's all right. Jesus, Jesus did. Did the man participate in any way? Did he help Jesus make him well? No. He only said, yes, I want to be healed. Did it cost the man anything to be healed? No. 
he couldn't give Jesus anything to get him to heal him. On the other hand, yes, what we were just talking about, it did cost him. He had to change. He had to deal with... Um, what's that? Making his own, yeah, all those things. His life was about to change. It was going to cost him all these changes, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's really astounding question and answer. But we've all known people who were suffering from wrong but they were happy in their misery. They didn't really want to go Yeah, and I think that's the point. In case you didn't hear, he said, we've all known people who were happy in their misery, and they didn't really want to get well. They want to stay there. It happens. You know, I'm comfortable in my misery. That doesn't make any sense, but it's true. Heather? Especially after 38 years. Yeah. That's a long time to be used to being miserable. Yeah, so if if he's been in this condition 38 years, he's at least 38 years old, very possibly older than that, and now he's going to have to readjust everything. Everything's going to change. He's got to find a place to live. He can't, he's got to find a job. He's got to find a way to make a living. You know, all these things that, it, that suddenly everything's changing for him. Do you think that he didn't have a place to live while he was an invalid? I, I, I don't know. Whatever his situation is, he's probably not going to be in the same situation. He's probably, wherever he was living, it's probably, I mean... I kind of picture him like a homeless person. I assume that he's got, like, it's the, the, the stigma that, like, if you're a sick, blind, and lame, it's because there's a problem with you. Right. Like, it's a physical manifestation of God's displeasure. Right. With something that you've done. Yeah. Which is also, this is conjecture, but it would also be interesting that after he's healed, people would see him, and they've got to make this adjustment of, like, well, we used to treat you as rejected by God so we could reject you. Right. You're healed now. I don't know if I'm comfortable welcoming you just because you're healed. Right. Because right. you've been rejected for almost four decades. Right. Well, and, and then there's, of course, the reputation of Jesus that depending on which side of the, you know, whatever you're on, Jesus isn't exactly Mr., you know, everybody holding him in high esteem. They should have, yes, but they didn't. So, oh, you, what really happened? You know, because there are people saying that he's, he's casting out demons by Satan, you know. So I'm sure there were people going, well, yeah, he healed you, but, you know, you're probably full of the devil now or, you know, whatever. So, so yeah, it's not like it's, uh, there's no guarantees of wh- where this guy's at. Um, so next question. Does Jesus ask us if we want to be well? Can Jesus make us well? Can we help him? Can we do anything to help him make us well? When we ask to be healed by Jesus, to be made well, what kinds of healing are we typically looking for? Physical, Physical, often. Financial, spiritual. Relational. Relational. Get rid of our anxieties and our fears. Heal our emotional hurts. Cure our loneliness. All those kind of things. 
What is Jesus offering when he says, I can make you well? Salvation. Salvation. What else? Is it just salvation? Okay. Yeah. When Jesus says, I can make you well, he can, he can take our old nature and replace it with a new one, a redeemed one. He can take our old heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh, one that is soft. He can take our old will and desires and replace them with ones that can bring us true joy, peace, contentment. And as Amy said, what do we need to be made well? We need Jesus. Jesus is what we need. When Jesus offers to make, him, make us well, he is offering himself. He is all we need to be made well. So the question is, what do we have to give up to be made well? We can't buy our wellness. We can't give Jesus anything that will cause them to say, okay, now I'll heal you. People often promise God things. If you'll do this for me, I'll, I'll do these things. What's that? Surrender our will. We have to give up not just our will, not just our wants, not just our wealth, not just our this, not just our that. We have to give up ourselves. What's that? Yeah, everything. Do you want to be well? Hmm. Do I? Do I want to count the cost? Do I really want to give him everything? Understanding, and this is, this is a paradox. We can't serve two masters. We can't serve ourselves and Christ at the same time. There's a great statement that I love, and I think Charlie's repeated it. I've heard Kelly repeat it. To have a, great, have a good marriage, somebody has to die. To have a great marriage, two people have to die. I have to choose to die to my flesh every day. We are the bride of Christ. Someone has already died. We're already in a good marriage. Christ has died. We're in a good marriage. To be in a great relationship, we have to die. We have to die to ourselves. He has sacrificed everything for us. Are we willing to give up? What are we willing to give up for him? Are we willing to give up everything? He can heal you. He can heal me. We can't do anything to bring about that healing, but we have to give up everything to experience what, can only, what only he can do in us. It sounds like I'm contradicting myself when I say it, because you can't do anything to get it, you can't do anything to get that healing, and yet, in order to experience that true healing, to, to experience the peace, the joy, the, those things, we have to die to ourselves. There was nothing this man could do to get Jesus to heal him. Nothing he could do or give. He was completely passive in his healing. Jesus did it, but he had to give up everything about who he was, who, I, who he identified as to truly experience the new life Jesus offered him. 
do you want to be well? Do you? How badly do you want it? Jesus has already done your part. If you've acknowledged him as, if you, as your Savior, if you acknowledged his, your need for his salvation, then the healing has taken place. Every believer is already in that marriage where there's one person who's died. We're already in a good marriage. We're halfway there. Are we experiencing the healing he accomplished? Are we living in that reality? It seems that most of us, if not all of us, at some point in our Christian lives have heard that we just need to, be, to do better to live in that reality. That's not what Christ tells us. We can't do better enough. He simply says, rest. Stop striving. Die to yourself. Just give up who you are so he can show you what he intended your life to be as he lives his life out through you, in you. That's what he's looking for. That's what he wants. That's what, that's what will bring us, that's what will, will make us who we have been designed to be. So what is your flesh hanging on to that you don't think you can live without? What insecurities... What anger? What hurts? What pride? What is it you think you can't live without? What areas of your life you're afraid he's going to root around in? You're like, that, that's a little uncomfortable. I'm not ready for that. I, I've mentioned this multiple times in here as I teach, but I just love this C.S. Lewis talking about Aslan. He's not a safe lion, but he is good. Is it safe from your flesh's perspective to let Jesus root around in there? No, it's not. But will it be good? Yeah, it will. It's not easy. It's not easy to die to ourselves. Our, our flesh does not like that idea at all. Do you want to be well? How much of yourself are you willing to give up? How much are you willing to die to in order to experience the healing he has already provided? Dying isn't easy. It is uncomfortable. But the Lord says, basically, die daily. Yeah. Take up your cross daily. Daily. That's all I've got. Questions, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that, you know, that's what Jesus talked about, too, with, you know, the, the, uh, the demon that, you know, gets kicked out and then comes back and finds, finds this room nice and clean. You know, nothing's been replaced that when we, when we say, all right, I'm going to die to myself. Well, what am, I, what am I putting back in? Am I allowing Christ to be in or am I just allowing whatever to come back in? What am I filling my mind with? Yeah. Anyone else? Any other thoughts? All right. Max, would you pray for us?